Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We talk a lot about Orthodox Jewish representation on this show. Um, our organization was founded to combat um, what we first called stereotypes in the media, uh, caricatures, um, as the work of Jew in the City grew over time. We started to hear from people who grew up in the Orthodox world who had bad experiences. And what that did was made the mission a little more nuanced to both push back at constant negative depictions and also create room to understand that not everyone has a perfect rosy uh, experience. Um, and then also to put context into why do some people have less than stellar experiences uh, growing up in our community. Um, and then coming to realize that because in every community there exists dysfunction and abuse and then that leads to our third uh, sort of branch of our, our work, Tikkun. Um, the first one is Keter, uh, to spread the positive, uh, you know, Kiddush Jam, restore the crown of the good name of our community. Makom is to help the people who um, have been hurt by the community or peoples in the community to understand the difference between abuse, dysfunction, and Judaism when practiced in a healthy way. Uh, and then the final piece is Tikkun. Uh, which is our branch that takes a look at systemic issues that exist to figure out how we can do a better job. Um, and I think that, you know, being self-reflective is part of a Kiddush Hashem um, because always being growth oriented, being intellectually honest, um, what could be something more positive than being honest with yourself and always looking to be better. Um, but today we're focusing more on the Keter side of the work that we do about the representation, because the truth is that there are a lot of conversations happening right now from minority communities about how they represent it. As far as I know, um, despite the fact that there are other Hollywood bureaus out there, we're the only one that also takes a look at how we can improve as a community. Um, and one of the bureaus actually complimented um, our organization saying that that's a really positive way to handle uh, the question of how do you improve perceptions? Part of it is asking, you know, uh, writers and directors to do a better job and part of it is asking your community to do a better job um, but today we're talking to someone who is part of the storytelling um, not only you know is the work that um, Netta Ariel is doing so groundbreaking in Israel um, at Mali Film School where she is the director the work that they're doing at this film school has touched probably people all over the world outside of Israel because the alumni of this school, it's the only um, religious or, you know, religious film school with mostly religious students. Uh, the alumni have made shows you may have heard of like Shtisel, Srugim, Shababnikim. Um, and they have a student now, I saw her short film, who's up for a BAFTA award, an Orthodox Jewish woman. Um, BAFTA is the UK equivalent of the Oscars for all the Americans uh, listening now. Um, so Netta, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you. So um, before we talk about your work at um, My Life Film School, um, tell us about you. Um, where did you grow up? How did you grow up Jewishly? Um, how did you get into film? Okay, so I am Israeli. I was born in a kibbutz. I grew up uh, next to Haifa uh, and uh, I serve in the Israeli army. And um, I study communication because many years ago there were no film school in Israel at all. But I work as a researcher in the in the Israeli television. So this was really my first school, uh, my school 
to study how to make articles and fans, and uh, this is where I study. I love all my life to be behind the scenes and to deal with culture and art and theater and movies. Um, and it just happened that uh, when Maale was established 32 years ago, uh, I was in touch with the people there and they offered me to come to work in the school. So 27 years ago, I became the academic uh, director. And after a few years, 21 years ago, I became the director of the school. Um, and it's, it's amazing place and honor to be there because once you work with young people that have dream and want to become filmmakers and tell their stories and work on this film and television industry. And second, most of them come from an Orthodox background. The school has kind of a Jewish agenda. It, it doesn't say that we force them to, to do films or stories about Judaism or their way of life, but very naturally, they are telling their stories. So because of the background, they are telling stories about our life in Israel, social topics, and of course, Jewish topics too. So we are very different from all the other film schools in Israel. And I love it. I think that we are bringing to the world a very unique and important voice and stories. Um, it's, it's incredible. I actually just saw some of these shorts at a recent screening. Um, Netta was in the U.S. Um, and saw the film that's up for the BAFTA award. Um, I love what you say about you have the Jewish agenda at the school, but you don't tell them what to make, but they make their own stories. I mean, this is why this idea of diverse writers rooms really matter. Um, and I think um, there's a lot of people that think, well, there's a lot of Jews in Hollywood already. Um, you know, we can't speak about everyone, but there are certain generalizations you can make about certain topics. In general, a lot of the Jews that are in Hollywood are not Jews that are necessarily so connected to uh, their Jewish heritage, not so connected to Israel, or may not feel comfortable uh, telling those stories. You know, really Hollywood was founded by Jews who felt the need to hide a little bit, not be too Jewish. And so um, while there are, you know, not a small number of Jews in Hollywood, um, I think that a lot of them don't feel comfortable telling authentic um, stories where, you know, the piece of their, the Jewishness is something positive or something neutral, but not sort of the enemy or the joke. Um, and one thing that I commented to you, Netta, after I saw several of your films was the way that the Jewish life, the religious Jewish life, because all the films that we saw at the screening um, were by uh, religious, uh, you know, creators, um, it was so organically and authentically woven in. Um, and it was so refreshing to see the Jewishness in there um, in a way that either, you know, um, made the person's life better or gave it meaning, um, but just wasn't the problem. Like they didn't all have to be, we don't always have to be struggling with our Judaism in every uh, film that's out there. Can I just clarify one point? Did you grow up religious? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, fine. Um, and can you tell us why uh, was this film school? I had thought before that you were a founder, you came in early on. Why did the founder start Malay Film School? Okay, so 30 something years ago, there was only one place in Israel that you could study filmmaking. It was in Tel Aviv University. And it was a very secular and maybe left wing a little bit. 
and Orthodox people didn't go to study filmmaking at all. And there were a group of uh, people that work in communication, you know, in newsletter, in newspapers or in the TV uh, channels, and they look around and they say, all the people here are secular. We need our people to be involved, be part of our cultural life and filmmaking and television. So this was the background of creating this film school. Um, and it was amazing because since there, today we have around 15 film schools or departments in colleges all over the, the country in Israel that you can study filmmaking. Each one of them is different. Um, but still, Malay is very special and, and unique. What's the like a makeup of the average students that, that's there? You said that they're mostly um, Dati, they're mostly Orthodox. Are they coming from a range of Orthodox communities or more Dati Lumi, more modern Orthodox? I can say that 70-80% come from a modern Orthodox background. It means that they grow up in Orthodox families, study in Orthodox high school, were in national service or the army. Not all of them stay like this. There are people that become secular, there are people that become more orthodox. We have, at the end of the day, in each class, we have all the spectrum, but most of them have this background, and it's really influenced on what happened in the class and about their stories, because at Maale, everyone, it doesn't matter what is your background, feel uh, comfortable to deal with this issue, to tell their stories. Everyone in the school understands. If if you are an Orthodox and go to Tel Aviv University or secular film school, it's okay, but you're kind of an out outsider. And if all the class goes to production and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you can't, it's kind of, the feeling is different. So at Malé, it doesn't matter what is your story. And if it's a Jewish topic or something that's talking about our history, our tradition, the Bible, whatever, there are people that can help you and understand your world and can go very deep inside to help you to make the best film. So, um, how, yes. How big is the school? How many students are there each year? How many of you graduated since uh, you started, you know, 32 years ago? Okay, um, and okay so, yes, we have three tra main tracks. One is filmmaking, the big one, four years. Uh, that very practical tracks that are practice making a lot of short exercise and movies and in the end they are making the graduate films that we are sending out and show for festivals and in a lot of event and screening we have a smaller department of script writing just for people that want to write script all kind of script and we have a very unique track for ultra orthodox women we opened it eight years ago they come and ask and we build something special for them. It's for filmmaking, but first of all, to earn a living and also to make films from outside. Most of the graduates are working for the ultra-Orthodox communities and making amazing movies and stories. Uh, we have in each class something between 15 to 80 students, not more. It's a boutique film school. We know each one of them and we know how to uh, ask call them and find the best thing that they can do and help them to be the most professional they can. Um, so there's been like an interest in Israeli television recently in the U.S. Um, so 
in, I mean, I guess, I think Stissel is probably the biggest hit, um, but a few of them have been, I guess, Fauda is another one that comes to mind. Um, do you have a sense as to why um, these Israeli shows have become popular in recent years? Is it just because TV is getting better in Israel and, you know, markets like Netflix are looking to get content and, and the content is sort of uh, selling itself? Like, do you have a theory as to why there's sort of this uh, newer trend in Israeli television coming to the States? I think that one, uh, Israeli television and film are very, very professional, not, not only the people that grow up at Male, also from all over the country. Uh, a lot of talent people that know how to tell very original stories. I think that in Israel you have so many stories, so many conflicts, so many issues and social topics that you can do. So the best of them you can see outside of Israel. I can tell you about Stiesel. One of the writers uh, is my graduate and a lot of the people on the, on the crew were my graduate. And tell, they told me that they never believed that it, it is going to be so popular and Netflix will show it when they wrote it. They just pray that an Israeli channel will take it. Uh, but it was written so good and it's done so well. And in the end of the day, all the channels and the platforms looking for stories that no one told before. And I think that Stiesel, I think the first time bought an ultra-Orthodox family, but normal family, like a secular, they're dealing with the same issues, but with their special style of life, with all the, the issues. So people want to see what's going on there. And mm -hmm. the fact that it was new story about families that no one know before and also done very well. It was written very well, the acting, everything, the production was amazing. So this make it so popular, I think. Yeah, besides the excellent writing and interesting stories, my take is that um, we never see humanity under beards and wigs and hats. Um, it's right. always just sort of like empty, sort of Haredi ultra-Orthodox clothing. Um, and so to see the people, you know, that inhabit those um, outer, uh, you know, garments um, have feelings, emotions, um, I think that was groundbreaking. Um, and I think, you know, to have humanity portrayed, um, it, it shouldn't be that uncommon to see humanity in, in the Haredi community. Can you speak to, do you feel like there's been any changes in Israel in Israeli society due to a show like Shtisel? Because there's obviously, you know, you put a country of Jews together um, and a lot of strong opinions. Um, is there any way to, I mean, that's always the question we have about media. We've been creating media for almost 15 years. Other than, you know, reviews and comments and, uh, you know, how many views you've gotten, it's always hard to know what impact uh, we're making when we create something. But do you have any sense as to what type of impact Shtisel has had on sort of uh, the psyche of Israel or, you know, you know relations between Chiloni, you know, uh, secular and, uh, and religious getting along? Yes, I think that it was very helpful, helpful to change a little bit the stereotype. I agree, that, uh, especially the secular uh, population in Israel, they're looking on the ultra-Orthodox as very, very different outsiders, very something they're not connected. And I think that this series, Stissel, made an amazing work for it because people 
just admire the character, fall in love with them. And uh, I, I think that it was, it's been an amazing uh, thing. And it's also open uh, the door to other stories and movies and series about it, because now we understand that so many interesting things happened there in a positive way, not only criticism about the way of life or how much we don't want to be like them. I think that it does an amazing uh, work and we are talking about it a lot with the creators that they never imagined that they didn't mean that this is what's going, but this is the, the tool. It's so strong. When you, you, you are doing a good film or television series and it works, it touched the heart and people love it and connecting, it changed their mind. I am sure that, that this is what happened now and not only in Israel. All the viewers in Netflix or all over the world. Yeah, I mean, it's why I've always seen media to be so powerful. Um, and the interesting thing is that in terms of uh, raising money for our organization, you know, creating media has always been one of the hardest things for us to raise money for when, to me, it's so obvious. If you, you know, have an image in your mind of what uh, that Jew looks like on the street and you have all these biases that you've put onto him from negative headlines you've read, from, you know, uh, rumors that you've heard, as opposed to, having him come into your home once a week, you know, on your television screen, on your laptop screen and become a part of your family. Even if you don't agree with everything he does or believes, um, there are certainly characters in TV shows and movies that we really, um, we hold dear. They, they become, you know, almost like a family or a friend. And um, it's so powerful for, you know, to be able to uh, control a storyline and, you know, have a narrative that we feel like reflects our authentic uh, truth, our authentic perception of what, what our lives look like. Um, for the shows I mentioned before, Shtisl, Strugim, Shabbat, Mikim, were these shows created at your school or was it just the creators, our graduates of your school? No, it wasn't. It's the, my graduate made it. It wasn't, okay. uh, no, because they finished. It was a private production company. But I can tell you a story that when they shoot the first season of Shisel, they shoot it in all the uh, inside, they shoot in Tel Aviv, but the outside has to be in Jerusalem because it's a story about neighborhood in Jerusalem. So they plan to do a few days outside in Geula Mesharim, and our school located very close. So they ask if they can use it was in the summer, if they can use the school to, to make dressing and makeup and uh, to organize themselves, they come, they stay with us for a few days. We didn't know what's going on because it was when they shoot the first season. And then they went to the ultra-Orthodox uh, uh, neighborhood to take to shoot the outside, and people there didn't allow them to shoot. They come with the big cameras and all the grips and everything, the equipment. So they go out, and then they rent a car with the black windows. They were inside the car, and the actors that look like ultra-Orthodox, they, they could walk there because they looked like everybody, and they shoot from inside the car. It was so fun and nice to, to solve this problem. And uh, I can also tell you that a lot of ultra-Orthodox people in Israel watch this series and love it. It's become popular not only uh, for the... Regular. So we are in touch with them. We know when they shoot Srugim 10 years ago, it also was 
a lot of my graduates were there, but it's not belong, the rights is belong to, to other production companies. And what about relationships with Hollywood? I mean, I see that it's going graduates from your school that are going and creating these uh, series in Israel and then are getting picked up at Prime, Netflix. Does Molly Film School have any relationships with any people in Hollywood where you could, um, I'm just thinking right now about, you know, sort of our first uh, course of business at the JITC Hollywood Bureau is to prevent the continuous bad takes, to you know, prevent the anti-Semitic takes, the caricatures. Um, but more than just prevention, we also want to push in positive stories, nuanced stories, you know, stories of heroes. So do you have any relationships like that? Should we make introductions once we meet people? Yes, yes. Uh, I can tell you that when I start to direct the school and has to make contact and raise money for the school, someone, a businessman that tried to help me, told me, uh, you have to go and meet people all over the world. Start with Los Angeles, because in Los Angeles you have filmmakers, you have a lot of people that connect to Judaism, and they are also very pro-Israel. And this is the three points that they would love in your school, because you are with Jewish agenda, making films, and very pro-Israel. So I developed in the last uh, 15 years uh, a lot of relationship with people in, in Hollywood, filmmakers, scriptwriters, producers. We even have kind of committee, uh, 15 filmmakers, that every time that we are making something there, they are coming. When they come to Israel, they're coming to the school and making workshop and meeting our students. And yes, we even develop a, a project uh, that uh, we are working with a few people from Los Angeles and my graduate making, and I made the contact. And hopefully in the, in the next future, we are doing something together. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, um, again, we're we're pretty new um, with these relationships, but um, I, I see that you know, sort of complaining that the stories aren't there is not good enough. We need kind of like practical steps of here are some possible stories, here are the people to write them. Um, so I think you know your your school is such an incredible resource. Um, what's the application process like? Let's say we have people listening now that want to check this film school out. Um, you know, what, when does the year start? Uh, what are you looking for in terms of an application? Okay, so we are looking for talent people, very creative, that want to be filmmaker or scriptwriters or something in this industry. Uh, they have to talk Hebrew because all the classes and everything in Hebrew, they can write in English and they can make films in English. We had it before, but to understand because all the teachers is talking Hebrew. Um, they can go to our website, all our program there, all the teacher, even small videos that they can see and hear about the classes that we have and the courses and the workshops. Uh, and we are looking for people that has this disease that must create and have story to tell. We will escort them all the way, all the way and bring them to the high level that we can. They, they need the ambition and to know that you have to work very hard, but in the end of the day, when you're making a good movie, the sky is the limit. And we are taking care of it. 
What's the dream? Uh, you've obviously had many successes um, in the last uh, three decades at the school, but um, are there any uh, you know, dreams that you still have that have not been reached yet that you would love uh, the school to achieve, your alumni to achieve, you know, for just sort of filmmaking about a religious, religious Jewish life that um, hasn't you know, come to fruition yet? Yes, so of course we have a lot of dreams. One of them that is, uh, we are now going to, we are in the middle of a building campaign. We are located in a very old and historical building in, in the center of Jerusalem. We want to build two more floors and to, to become a center for Jewish and Israeli uh, firms. It means that not only the school will be there, but a lot of activities and workshops for other populations. Uh, we will open it for their uh, coffee shop, a kind of screening during the summer on the roof. And for people that want to create uh, short courses and something like this, so it will be a center in Jerusalem that people that love movies or want to create or to write could come and be part of these things. And of course, to make more films, more television series, more documentary about Israel, about our life, and to publish it to the world. We believe that this is the most amazing tool that we can have and we can share it with what we are doing it. A lot of our firms use for all kinds of purposes, for culture, for education, and for PR for Israel. And we, we want to do more and to raise more talent filmmakers. I love it. Um, some of our fans have recently mentioned that they've noticed a trend of Israeli characters on American television being kind of the villain, being the evil one. So um, we certainly need, you know, more positive takes of Israel uh, to, you know, to tell this story. I just want to close with uh, the short films that you showed at um, the screening that we went to. Um, one showed a really complicated dynamic of, um, you know, a checkpoint with Arabs coming through um, and just sort of the moral challenges of trying to keep Israelis safe and also not be barbaric and, you know, recognize uh, the humanitarian issues that exist when you have blockades, when you have someone sick trying to come through, when there's a fear of, you know, a potential terror attack. Um, so that short really captured um, so much uh, in terms of Jews feeling conflicted, you know, in the scene, um, sitting there in our seats. Um, there was another film that you showed of the, this is the one that won the, the BAFTA award, um, or sorry, was, sorry, was nominated for the BAFTA award of a little girl discovering her uh, grandmother's Holocaust past. And um, it was done so incredibly with animations as she found an old diary of her grandmother um, sort of the life of her grandmother in the diary became animated on the scene and you saw um, the, the dread and the terror that the grandmother lived start to fill this little girl who was probably the age or close to it of the grandmother when she lived through this, uh, that really brought that story to life. And the thing about Holocaust stories is that we've seen so many of them. And so it's kind of hard to be original and this one really was. Um, and the last one that, I mean, was literally laugh out loud funny um, was the man who ended up as sort of accidentally shaving a Hitler mustache onto himself, a religious man, and was stuck all Shabbos uh, with that the mustache. Little, the name is the, uh, little, the little, what was it called? The, the, little, the little dictator. dictator. Well, the little dictator. Um, yeah, so incredible. Is there any place for our viewers to watch these short films? Because I mentioned them on Instagram. Is there any? Yes. 
Yes, we have a library. It's called Male VOD. You look for it in the in Google, and you can go. It's a library of our best friends, more than a hundred, and you can go there and and watch them. It's, it's okay. So we're we're gonna link to we're gonna link to some of these videos in this video Great. here. Um, because they were really, and I'm sure there's so many more that we did not get to see. Um, and yeah, and in every part of these stories, um, they were religious, but it wasn't part of the problem. And, um, you know, it just, just watching that play out um, was so nice to see the issues that we've been caring about for so long here, just it exists. Um, and I think the good news is that we've seen that Israeli content and TV shows um, have a market in, you know, the larger world. So um, just continue to Hatzlacha um, and, you know, keep expanding that content, those stories, so the world can see, uh, can see the beauty of our lives and our land uh, as we see it ourselves. Thank you so much, Alison. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Uh, you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.